I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. Um, this is a, a special FA Cup special. Uh, we're recording this on the 10th of May 2020, 40 years ago today. West Ham won the FA Cup. In fact, they haven't won the FA Cup since. Um, and we took this opportunity to speak to our friend of the podcast, uh, David Cross. Um, obviously was quite instrumental in that final. Uh, this is uh, an interview recorded on Sunday morning of the anniversary. It should be going out on the uh, the afternoon, the anniversary. Yeah, so let's hear what uh, David had to say. And we welcome back to more than just a podcast, a friend of the podcast, David Cross. Good morning, David, on this special day. Hi, Sean. Thanks very much. Uh, something happened 40 years ago today, didn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. We, uh, I remember, I remember it being a very, very hot day and getting up and thinking, I've got to play football today. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was an iconic day for us. But in all seriousness, yeah, it was a great day. Now, now, you've been, you've probably done so many interviews, been asked so many questions about the game. I've been trying to think of questions I could answer that you haven't done over the last 40 years. Um, so I probably will repeat a few. But what happened the night before the game? Did you spend it together as a team, have a meal together? What what happened? Yeah, we were all together um, in the hotel uh, in West London. Um, Do you remember where it was? I hope it lads... wasn't Chelsea, was it? it? I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I should remember it, but I can't. Um, it was. We were all together, one or two of the lads. Often when we were uh, out of London and maybe at Manchester up in Liverpool or whatever, uh, they would perhaps go to the cinema or I think one or two of the lads would all, always look to see if there was a greyhound racing uh, meeting on somewhere. <laughs> um, and certainly at the Wembley, uh, the night before the Wembley game, uh, then Alan Devonshire, Billy, 
and I think even Trevor went to went to the dogs somewhere. I'm, I'm not sure if it was at Wembley Dogs, but they, they went to the dog meeting, I'm sure, I think, and just spent the evening there just to relax, really, and just you know try and take their minds off the fact that they were, it was going to be the FA Cup final the next day. Um, I just stayed in the hotel, and which is what I normally did. I would just go to bed early and, and maybe read and, and, and drop off. Did John? Did John have a curfew? Did you no drinks? You know, yeah. an early night, yeah, well, or was could, he pretty relaxed? I could, well, we never had. We never had a drink the night before a match. I mean, it was absolutely taboo. But I might be able to tell you a sneaky little story about that. Actually, um, no, there was no curfew. John just realised, you know, the lads did what what suited them, and. Uh, as I say, it suited me to stay in and read and go to bed early. It suited some of the lads to get out, go to the dog track and have a couple of bets. Um, and that was there at way relaxing the night before a match. So it was each to his own, really. There was no curfew. Uh, and he didn't keep an eye on us or anything. So uh, yeah. but I Did you room that, with someone? Uh, did, did, or did you get a room each? Usually did, yeah. We usually did room with other lads. But I think um, for the night before the game, I'm fairly certain... I roomed on my own. It was just me. Um, but I, I couldn't get to sleep that night, so I, I just, about 11 o'clock, maybe even a bit later, I wandered out of the hotel. I was a bit restless and wandered around, and I spotted Phil Parks um, doing something similar, and he said, what's the matter with you? I said, I can't sleep. And he said, yeah, come with me. So I went to Phil's room, and uh, he got onto room service and ordered four pints of Guinness, <laughs> And they came up, they came up to the room, and I said, "What have you done that for?" He said, I said, "You're not going to drink them, are you?" He said, "No." He said, "I'm going to drink two of them, and you're going to drink two of them." <laughs> so Phil, I've never drank. I've never had a drink the night before a match. He said, "I don't even drink on a Thursday night." He said, "It'll do you good." Anyway, gradually we had a chat. But the, the Guinness came up, and over probably half an hour, forty-five minutes, um, we just sit at the two pints of Guinness, finished them off. Um, and then I went back to my room and fell fast asleep. So it did me good in that respect. Um, no, I've not heard that story there, before. So. No, uh, it's a, I've kept it a secret for 40 years. But yeah. promise, me you won't, promise me you won't tell anybody. No, I promise, promise. We're not recording no, this whatsoever, so it won't go out to, no. to the world. Good. Oh, that's good. I don't, I don't think you'll get in trouble now. Uh, David, when, when <laughs> no, did you last see your family? Because we, we spoke to Phil Parks yesterday and he said uh, it was a lucky omen when he saw his family in the crowd on the coach on the way to to, to Wembley. Right. So when when did you have to say goodbye to your family and did, did they come to watch you at the game? Well, it's a bit different for me because uh, my family were all in Manchester and I was down in London. I lived on my own. Um, but I had my girlfriend, obviously, but... Um, I, you know, I hadn't seen my family for for a couple of months before the game. Anyway, uh, I, I got them all tickets and they came down and watched the match. And I saw them after the game because they managed to somehow track us down to uh, where we were staying <laughs> in the night uh, the night after the match. So, uh, but I, I never saw my family. No, and I was I was a single lad anyway. So, yeah. um, you know, I didn't have like wife and children or anything like that. So, okay, to, to take this this talk. So you stayed overnight. You had your couple of pints of Guinness what was there a special breakfast yeah, but you're not going to tell anybody I'm that. not going to tell anyone that just to, just to be clear no um yeah you had a special breakfast uh did did, did they, the team get together for a sort of fry up or, or was it not like that on the on the 
morning of no, the no, FA no, Cup. No, 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 it wasn't like that. No, you, you know, you'd, you'd have an hour of probably, just like anyone else in, the, in a hotel, really. You'd get up, you'd have the breakfast during the, the normal hours of whatever it was, half seven till half nine. Uh, you'd have whatever breakfast you normally would have. Um, and then I think we, I went for a walk. Uh, we went, just had a walk around the village and, you know, where we, where we were staying. Uh, went back, watched the television, you know, the build-up to the game, obviously, you know, going back years and years, the, that was one of the highlights of the FA Cup final day, wasn't it? You know, the, the, the television from probably 10 o'clock that morning took you right through and, and you know, interviewed players and gave you the, the background to the families, um, you know, and that was, so we watched all of that. And then we had our normal pre-match meal at 12 o'clock and then jumped on the bus and went to Wembley. So did you did I, I know I've read somewhere else that uh, you always looked out for pigs in a field and if you saw pigs <laughs> it was a lucky no, omen. No, did... we didn't look out for them. <laughs> we just if we saw them, it was just if we saw them. Okay. Then that was the good thing. Um, yeah, the lucky pig. But yeah, the, no, we didn't look out for them. Definitely not. <laughs> a little bit like I didn't have two pints of Guinness the night before the game. Um, we didn't look out for them, but. If they, we just happened to see some pigs, that was a lucky omen for me. And did you, is it true you had a silver pig? Someone, that day. Did, did someone give you uh, a silver well, pig? I, no, there's a few stories get mixed up. The, the silver it's a little bit like Trigger's Brush, my lucky <laughs> pig. Um, it's had several incarnations. Um, what happened was our physiotherapist, Rob Jenkins, who was a big pal of mine, we, we were really good mates, and... Yeah. Um, Rob recognised the fact that if the, we did see a pig or a bunch of pigs or a pub called the Lucky Pig or you know, anything to do with a pig, yeah. it just happened that I, I scored. So what Rob then did halfway through the season was he bought me a little plastic pig as small as a fingernail, so <laughs> small you could, I could keep it in the hand. And that I always carried that for that season. It was my, my Lucky Charm. And I kept it in the suit pocket, so it was in the dressing room as we were out there playing. It would be in the in the pocket in the dressing room. Um, and then for the cup final, I thought that I needed to just make this a little bit more lucky, so I held it in my hand during the match, and it was a little pink pig. And people say you can't have had anything in your hand because they can't realise how small it was. As I say, it was the size of a fingernail, yeah. so it was easily just held in my hand. Uh, anyway, years later, I, the, the, my son lost the lucky pig. <laughs> I was um, about to ask you with that. It when he was uh, he was young and he lost he lost the pig. Um, so they bought my family bought me the reincarnation, which was a, the pink pig, which you might have seen photographs of. But that wasn't yeah. the one that I carried. It's not the original. During the match, which son? No, like who, who was it? Like Bobby Brooks. is it that lost it? Bobby, yeah, Bobby lost it. I couldn't really blame him because he was only 18 months old. <laughs> um, so it wasn't really his fault. OK, let's move on. Dressing room. So big day, big match. It, it, was that the biggest match, I assume, you played in um, up to that point? Yes, I, I played at Wembley before. I played for Norwich City against Tottenham in the 1973 League Cup final. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, the FA Cup final was clearly the biggest game you know the, the game that every young footballer wants to play in um, and, and a point I've always made actually is that if you ask a young footballer what one of his ambitions is 
you know, he's likely to say, I'd love to play in the cup final. And mm. very few people say, I want to win the cup. Mm. It's to play in the cup final. Yeah. So, you know, to be part of it is, is, is the day, really. And in that respect, the semi-final is, is a more important game because to win that, you get to the final and yeah. then you just pray that you're going to be selected on that day. But, um, you know, to play in the cup final was, for me anyway, for, you know, someone born in the 1950s and grew up with the only one televised match per year uh, live on TV being the FA Cup final. You know, that was the only game we were able to see live when I was a little boy. So to think that I was playing in the cup final was, a, you know, a fantastic thing for me. So yeah, that was the biggest, the biggest game for me. Uh, and to be in the dressing room before the match was, you know, really looking forward to it. And then, uh, you know, I got a bit of unusual news at quarter to three from the manager. Yeah, that you were going to play up up front as a lone striker, which was a bit unusual in those days, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very unusual. It was very unusual for me. Because, I mean, we were a, a 4-4-2 team. Yeah. And we'd worked on 4-4-2, you know, that was how it was. I was the, you know, I, I was the, the one that was the target for all the long balls. I would knock it down. The partner at that time was Stuart, Stuart Pearson, uh, would work off that, either running on to it or just dropping off so that I could lay it back for him. And then, you know, that's how we played. And, and once I realised that... Um, I was going to play up front on my own, and I, I knew that my role was going to be a completely different one, and that, that the likelihood was that I was not going to get many chances to score because my role was going to be a defensive role yeah. to keep to keep their back line, to keep the ball along their back four, really, as, as long as possible, to give our midfield five and our back four a chance to, to get back into shape and, and, and settle down and make sure that Arsenal couldn't come through us. So... You know, my role was going to be a different one, and I, and I was a little bit crestfallen when John told me that. But um, Stuart then went after we found out this news. Well, I say after we found out. I think I'm pretty certain Stuart knew before. Um, I think he'd been told a couple of days beforehand. Um, and then John just pulled me aside one more time and just said, "Dave, look, I know what you're thinking. You know you." You're disappointed, aren't you? I said, I'm not disappointed, John. I said, I'm playing in the cup final. Who, hmm. who could be disappointed at that? Um, I said, but I can. I realise, you know, the implications of, of what's going to happen. And uh, he said, look, the reason I've done this is because I believe in you, and I believe you can do this job for me. So, and that that gave me a bit of a lift, really, because I just thought, well, you know, he's probably the best manager I've played for, and if he has altered our system in such a way that he thinks he can win the FA Cup final for West Ham and he's made me the focal point of that then <clears throat> right I'm going to I'm, I'm going to do that for him so you know I broadened the shoulders again and, and, and went out and, and played so, yeah. and that was it really um, and it worked it, it worked yeah you, you, you obviously really you were instrumental we were in in uh, making Sir Trevor famous uh, with, with his header um, to uh, in the build up to the goal well yeah Dev Deb did brilliant. I mean, and at one point I wouldn't want to miss either. Going back to the fact that I played up front on me on was even more important than that. Really, was that Stewart played in midfield, and Stewart was a big game player. Um, you know, he played for England. He played in cup finals before for Man United. Um, he really was a big game player, and he could play that way. He could play as a as a midfield player. He could play faced up 
uh, towards the opposition goal, where I, I was a back-to-goal player you know, who relied on service and then giving it back to the good lads who could create things. And then I got in the box and got on the end of it. And that was my job for most of my football career, really. But Stuart could do that job. Stuart could drop off into midfield and play as a midfield player. And, and he had the best game. For me, he had the best game he ever had in a West Ham shirt that day. Um, so, yeah... Um, yeah, the, the fact about me being up front on my own really was uh, I, I knew I wouldn't have many chances to score. And once David got down the line and crossed the ball and Pat Jennings flicked it and it was coming towards me, then I realised that this was my chance. Um, and I, I had to be really careful because I was stretching so much for the ball. It was it was way in front of me and I stretched as far as I could. And I knew that if I, if I really went for it and went hell for leather... There was every likelihood I would knock it over the bar. You know, I would just blast it over the bar. So I just had in my mind, just keep it on target, keep it down, keep it on target, target, and just stab it towards their goal and make sure it goes, you know, between those uh, those eight yards. Mm. And with a bit of luck, it might go through someone's legs or it might just trickle over the line or whatever. But as it happened, Willie Young, uh, Willie Young cleared my shot off the line. It went to Stewart. Stewart shot and probably, you know, would admit himself that he mishit it. Uh, and and Trevor was just in on the in spot right place at right time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is very unusual for Trev to be in the six-yard box. To be yeah, fair, because. Uh... You know, but I have asked him. I, I I spoke to Sir Trev a few years ago, and you know, do, you know, and he he's adamant. He absolutely knew what he was doing, where he was, and he meant that. You know, <laughs> so oh, no, I've, I've no that. doubt about that. I've just seen something on Twitter this morning where someone said that every time he sees that goal, he's he's adamant that Trevor Brooking didn't know what he was doing. Well, Trevor <laughs> did. Yeah, absolutely yeah, did. I mean, Trevor. Trevor was a good player. Don't get you know. All right, he didn't do much much heading during the game, but he was a fantastic player. He and he once he realised where he was in the six yard box, and the, you know the ball was coming across to him. He knew what he was doing. He headed it in perfectly. He couldn't. Mm. He couldn't. You know, if that had been a, a striker, he couldn't have placed the header better than that. And yeah. I know it just came off his head. You know, but. He, he, right. he knew what he was doing. It, it's, uh, in some ways, it's sad that we're celebrating 40 years, our last FA Cup win today. You know, I'm not sure Arsenal would have been celebrating. You're probably aware they've won it 13 times. We're celebrating it yeah. 40 years. So there's a sort of sadness yeah, of it that, that you, you yeah. and your team were the last to, to, to get glory for, for West Ham. Yeah, um I mean, the club have won the cup three times, have we? Yeah, three uh, times in total, 60, yeah. 64, 64, 75 and 80. Correct, um, yeah. And it is the last time we won the FA Cup final, obviously. Um, uh, one thing also that, you know, as you say, Arsenal won't be celebrating today. But but one, I do remember as we left the stadium that um, we were in the coach travelling through, you know, heavy traffic, obviously, even an hour and a half after the game traffic was still very heavy getting away from Wembley and into central London and we actually passed their coach uh, not travelling fast you know really just in, in fairly stationary traffic and we just got alongside their coach as well which is a bit embarrassing for us you know because we were in the power <laughs> coach celebrating and they you know they were obviously you know so disappointed to have lost but to be fair to the Arsenal lads as we looked across to them and you know we were side by side in and on, on the on the road, it would it be the A40? I'm not quite sure of the geography of, of West London, but um, 
as I said, we weren't travelling fast, maybe three, four miles an hour, maybe even stop. But the Arsenal lads looked across to us, three or four of them anyway, and just nodded their heads and, and put their hands together to sort of clap for us, you know, oh, to say, well done, like, you nice, know, and enjoy nice yourselves, touch. which I thought was really nice, you know, really a generous gesture by those lads. You know, they were so disappointed, obviously, they'd been beaten by a second division team. Uh, and for them to acknowledge the fact that, that we'd had our day, I thought it was really good. And I, I always remember that. Yeah, well, do you know what? Last year, I went to the new Spurs stadium and I was a guest in the corporate and I was in the players' uh, uh, box and I was sitting next to Pat Jennings. <laughs> and, you know, he's the nicest right. guy you'd ever meet. really is. Uh, yeah, and, and he looked after yeah, yeah. me all day, going, you know, this guy's West Ham short, this guy's West Ham, this guy played for West Ham. Um, so he's, he's my only person I've, I've met who's, who's on the opposite side. But, um, yeah, I did rib him a little bit about Trevor's, uh, you know, Trevor's goal. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, Pat's only fault on that was he didn't get much on, on his fingertips from the cross of Devs, you know, and it came to me, it fell to me, which then backfooted all their defenders and put them on the line. In fact, because they all went on the line, that's why Willie cleared my shot. But, um, yeah, yeah, he, he would probably be disappointed if he didn't get more of a hand on it and, and get it right out of reach of, the, of, of our yeah. striking player. Now we 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 yeah, talk... you're right. He was a, he was a lovely bloke. He, was a lovely bloke. <laughs> he, he lads, still is a lovely bloke. And the Arsenal, you know, most of the lads you played against back in those days were, were good blokes. You know, it's just the same as us. But you just happened to have a white shirt on. They had a yellow shirt on yeah. that day. You know, so yeah. so let's talk how you celebrated. So we know, we know you didn't have two pints of Guinness the night before. Did did you not have any I drinks no. on the uh, no no, no this, celebrate this, no uh, again this is another story for you which I played I, I think I mentioned earlier on I played in the League Cup final at Wembley seven years earlier in in uh, 1933 and the thing about that game for me was that we didn't win I, we lost one 0 to Tottenham we didn't win I didn't play well. But I never, I couldn't recall anything of the game or anything of the day. I can't even remember, recall now much of what happened, and I regretted that. And I'd, I'd read and, and talked to players as well who played in big games who said, "Yeah, that can happen. You can just—it's so big for you that you know it just becomes obliterated in your in your memory, and you can't remember all, anything about it." So. Knowing that seven years later, as a 29-year-old as well, you know, coming not to the end of my career, but certainly, you know, I'm not, I'm nearer the end than the beginning, and I might never ever get the chance to play at Wembley again. Um, and I thought, right, I don't know if I'm going to play well. I don't know if we're going to win, but I can't, and I can't guarantee those two things. But what I can guarantee is that I'll, I'll remember the day and I will enjoy it, whatever happens. So I was determined to do that from the minute I got up on Saturday morning. Um, and right until the end. So after the match, I never had a drink. Uh, I didn't have a drink. It, you know, champagne in the FA Cup itself was passed around. I never had a drink of that because I knew what the likelihood would be. Um, <laughs> and afterwards, when we got back to the hotel where we were staying that night, I didn't have a beer um, until probably about midnight because I just wanted to remember all of the, oh. the game. And I wanted, I, I wanted to... Uh, have well, what we're talking about now, really, you know, 40 years later to be able to remember it mm. and, and relish it, really. And, and um, yeah, I didn't want to 
be in a state where, you know, the next morning I, I woke up and, and regretted all of that. And one other thing which a lot of people overlook as well is that we had a game on Monday night. We had to go to Sunderland on Monday night and play in a really important game because if Sunderland beat us, they went up. And if we'd have gone up there, you know, in no state at all to play, it would have been desperately unfair on the other teams around Sunderland in that area, you know, yeah. that, who were who were in chance, who were, had a chance of getting promoted um, based on that match. If we'd have gone up there and been just a shambles, that wouldn't have been fair for those those teams. So we knew that we had to be careful about how we behaved on the on the Saturday night and on the Sunday because we knew we had to travel up to Roker Park on the Monday and play. So yeah, but I, I didn't have a drink at all, and I, I remembered everything, and, and I'm really pleased that I did do that. What what time did you get to bed? You you obviously up till midnight at least. Did, did was it a late one? Yeah, or yeah. I mean, no, no, not particularly late. We um, I wanted to watch match of the day because Brian Clough was on there and he made he had to make his apologies, I think, to, to Trevor after what he'd said on the morning. <laughs> um, and so we wanted to watch that. Then probably got to... I mean, you've got to bear in mind as well, it's been a long, long day. On, and it was a hot day as well. Yeah. You, know, I'm, you know, I played up front on my own and, you know, it would have been hard enough on a normal winter's day, but, you know, 90 degrees in that stadium, it was, it was hot. So we were tired, physically tired and mentally as well. So I think probably when I said midnight early on, it might have even been half eleven. But I went to bed. Yeah. yeah, I just went to bed and just yeah, and then look forward to the celebrations the next day. Yeah. So forty years later, what what do you still own from that day? I saw you had your scarf when you spoke to TC. Yeah. Um, on on your video call. Um, what, yeah. what what mementos have you got? Your shirt? Have you got have you got bits and pieces of of that day, or or is it all been lost by Bobby? No, uh, just the fucking pig went. Um, <laughs> no, my daughters have got me making a promise that I made on that video with TC. So I've still got the kit that I played in. Apart from the shirt, I've swapped that with Willie Young. Uh, but I have got the rep. We had two shirts for the game. We had long sleeves and short sleeves because um, some lads played in long sleeves, some in short. Um, I played in short sleeve shirt that day. So kept, I was able to keep my, my long sleeve one. So I've still got that. But my two girls are staying at our house at the moment through the lockdown. And um, they've made me keep the promise to TC that I'll wear my kit today. So I've got the shirt, I've got the shorts, and I've got the socks that I played in. Um, so Now, I've been asked by have someone. Have a look at Twitter. Jay have a look asked at Twitter me, later in the day. Yeah, John. Jay's asked me to ask a question. Have you tried your walk-on tracksuit top on yet? 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The one bad that he means, the ones that we walked. Yeah. He, he said when he, when he was filming, uh, um, obviously. Yeah, he came up and filmed, yeah. 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 So... Um, have you? Uh, he he said you you were reluctant no, to put, try it on on camera. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to do it for him. No, he, <laughs> he wanted. Yeah, he wanted me to try it on. That's right. No, I haven't. Um, but my girls are blackmailing me. Really, are they? They've made me. I've got my. Yeah, they've made me put the kit on, and they're going to film me and put it on Twitter. Excellent. That's good news. So, That's good news. I'm, Good. Well, I hope you You'll enjoy the day. I'm going, ask, I'm going to ask you one question about football. We asked this about Phil Parks yesterday. Where, where do you stand on the return to football? Um, I, I know that you know everybody's talking about neutral grounds, etc., and whether football should return. Do, do you have a view on on whether football should should return this season? Um, I, I just. I worry logistically about how it, how you could do it. Um, we don't know how long this lockdown is going to take take us through, and we don't really know how, even when the lockdown is finished, whether we'll get back to any normal kind of life where people people can go out and watch football or watch cricket. So the the main thing that sits in my mind constantly is that I think most people in our country believe in fairness yeah. and to be fair to some, let's say just go one team Liverpool, they've been the best team this season and they deserve to win the Premiership and if you scrubbed it completely and went back and said well, this season didn't take place at all, that would be so desperately unfair on Liverpool um, you've then got the other side of if you strapped it, then someone like maybe West Ham would escape a relegation problem. Um, it's so difficult when you look at it from all sides. Yeah. What do you say to Leeds and West Bromwich Albion, top of the championship? Sorry, you're not going to get promoted this season. Uh, you know. So going back to the thing about being fair, you know, I think we're a nation of fair-minded people, and it would be better, I think. To, if you're going to scrap a season, scrap next season, and finish this one, and let's and then just see um, how it pans out. And again, logistically, it's not great because the footballers have had two months off now. You know, they're going to have to do a pre-season. It's, they're not going to be the same as they were two months ago, where they were, you know, in full flight and, and ready for the last few games of the season. It's so difficult. 
and I'm just glad that I'm not a part of any decision making process. I and mean, you know, whatever it whatever happens, there's no right or wrong answers, is there? Unhappy. Yeah. No, there's going to be some people very happy, some people very unhappy, and uh, you know, it's a no win situation for whoever makes those decisions. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, I just want to wish you a very happy anniversary. I look forward to the pictures of you in your shirt that your daughters have blackmailed you in. Um, and thanks, really, for taking the time to talk to us today on, on, the, on this special special day. And I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I hope West Ham gets some new heroes in the next 10 years. And we're not talking in 10 years' yeah, time on the 50th anniversary going, this is the last time we won the FA Cup. No, let's, uh, yeah, no, let's not. But if like not, I'll speak to you in um, 10 years' yeah. time, David, if that's OK. <laughs> yeah, all right, Sean. Well, it's really nice to speak to you and yeah. nice to share this day with with the fans. And that was a big thing with me as well. That um, you know, People ask me about my relationship with the fans at West Ham. And it, you would have heard me say this on Tony Cotty's thing last yeah. week, that you know, I, I never really considered the, that I was a West Ham player, a typical West Ham player. And... Was, was worried when I signed for the club that I might not be taken on board by the West Ham fans because I wasn't one, you know, I wasn't at Trevor Brook in Ireland, Devonshire, and I knew that. Uh, but John Lyle told me, he said, look, that's because you're different, that's why I signed you. He said, we need someone like you. We need someone to go and be difficult to play against and who, you know, works hard and who gets in the box and doesn't mind getting hurt to score goals. So I was worried that I might not be a West Ham player in that respect but the fans somehow took to me and, and made those five years at Upton Park for me the best five years of my football career so you know to be able to engage in this way with, with, with all the guys who listen to your podcast and that, that's an honour for me as well yeah. well they will hear how you didn't drink two pints of Guinness we'll make sure that's it it Never doesn't did. sound like yeah Never happened. <laughs> great thank Never you happened. thanks David and uh, stay safe Yes, yes, I'll, I'll do that. Right. Watch out for Twitter. You'll see we will a do. good video, I think. We will do. Thanks. Bye. All right, John. Bye. Cheers, man. So there you go. Um, our thanks to David Cross. Uh, as he says, check out his Twitter to see him putting on his top uh, later on on Sunday or on Monday, if you're listening to this on Monday. Um, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from David Cross. Bye. Bobby Moore, more than just a podcast. Good morning, you irons. Back on Monday. Bobby Moore, more than just a podcast. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.